So we were on vacation not too long ago, and I feel like the vacation was unlike any vacation I've had in a really long time. We were gone for about two weeks, and it was wonderful. <laughs> it was so nice to be away, so nice to not have a lot of things to worry about. I feel like when I get back from a vacation like this that, you know, I probably work too much. I probably do too much. I extend myself too much. That idea has been in my mind for a little while, so when it was time to have fun, I had too much fun. (laughs) And I almost didn't want to come back, but our family went up to Glacier National Park, and we took my wife's truck, and this was the truck at the beginning of the trip. We drove caravan all the way up north to Montana. We went to Glacier National Park. And we got into the park, and one of the big roads, really the the main road that goes through the park, was under construction in one of the places. And it was raining, and the asphalt was gone, and it was muddy roads, and there was a line of cars just waiting to get around all the puddles that were around in the park. And you know where we're going. Sherilyn already posted a picture about it on Facebook. I went too much and gunned it through those puddles as fast as I possibly could, and a guy standing there waiting for me to go through the puddle lifted his arms in an exclamation and said, yeah, (laughs) as I drove by him. And it was exciting, and it was cool, and it was too much. It was too much mud. It was too much mud to the point where we spent the entire time after we got back cleaning the truck. We had three washes, and uh, it still has mud in places I don't want to talk about. But there's, there's definitely a place for having fun like that and for, you know, getting a little dirty from time to time. Sometimes we as people go to the extreme. You a person who ever goes to the extreme? You ever push yourself to the ex- extreme? You ever put yourself out there and maybe do a little too much? Find yourself on Amazon.com buying a little too much, find yourself, you know, getting involved in a hobby and maybe you've acquired too much supplies to enable your hobby, or maybe you're there at the buffet. I just don't even need to say it, do I? (laughs) You've all been there, right? You've all been there. And, And we were, by the way, no different when we came back home. We made an intentional detour to come down the I-17 to, you guessed it, Rock Springs. And where did we go? (laughs) To Rock Springs Pie Shop. And we walked in there, and we not only walked out with a slice or two slices, not one whole pie, no, no, we walked out with two pies. We, we, We bought too much. And if you see the other people in my household, you'll know that I'm pretty much responsible for eating those pies now. So, I want to talk about something that was levied at Jesus, and it was in the scripture reading that Brother Greg read for us this morning, and that's in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus was accused of doing too much. There's a problem with too much. There's a problem with with going above and beyond sometimes, and they accused Jesus of doing too much, and you'll remember that this was in 
relation to him eating with tax collectors and sinners too much was a problem that they tried to get Jesus to, to be taken down with. They tried to attack Jesus by saying, Jesus, you're doing too much. And here's what they said. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, Jesus said of himself, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. You contrast that with what we see in verse 18, before this, how John did not come eating or drinking, but Jesus says of his own ministry, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And what the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day were trying to get people to see is that Jesus, in all of his eating and all of his drinking, he was doing too much. He was going too far. And I think a lot of times in these words, and these descriptions, we understand what being a drunkard would be in reference to. But what about this word? What about the gluttony part of it? What about the gluttony part of this verse? What is Jesus being accused of? And so you guessed it. Let's talk about gluttony for a little while. This is one of these lessons that I've, I've teased to preach a few times. I've mentioned it a few times. Let's grab the bull by the horn and just deal with too much. We're going to talk about too much, too much food, but not only food, we're going to talk about some other things, and we'll see why we're going to do that in a second, but if you look in the Bible, in the New Testament, there is a Greek word, this word phagos in the Greek, which is here translated as glutton in Matthew 11. It's also translated in the parallel account in Luke 7 as glutton. In both times, it's referenced glutton, and that's that's about all we see. So if you stop right there and you look at this word, it doesn't really explain to you necessarily what it means. Now, I think a lot of us know what gluttony means. You probably have a picture in your mind of what gluttony is about. But just hold that picture for a second, and I want to look at some of the other places where the word gluttony is used back actually in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, there's a word zalal. And the first time this word is pop, popping up is in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21, around verses 18 through 21, this is where the children of Israel are told, this is where Moses is told, if there's somebody in your house, particularly a child of yours, who is rebellious, who is going out and living just a, a, a rabble-rousing kind of lifestyle, you bring the information to the congregation and they should stone him with stones. Serious, serious offense. And what you say to the congregation is that he is a liar and a glutton. That word, zalal, is used to describe this young man and what to do with him. And then we see, of course, in the Proverbs, the, the wise writer has some things to say of gluttony, and this word zalal is used there as well. Proverbs chapter 23 Beginning in verse 20, the wise writer says, Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. 
You'll notice there's a word that kind of acts as a sidecar to gluttony, to this word zalal, and also to the word phagos. That word is drunkard. The, the, the description of a drunkard and a glutton kind of go hand in hand, and they follow each other around in a lot of these verses. But So you can start to see that that it, it, it involves eating food, eating a lot of food, as he talks about here, gluttonous eaters of meat. But then in chapter 28, verse 7, is where we see another reference to this. Not entirely noteworthy, but Proverbs chapter 28, verse 7, the wise writer says, The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. This is about the time in our study where you've almost exhausted the Bible's use of the word glutton or gluttony. There are not very many more references to gluttony in the Bible. And so as you're starting to get an understanding, if you stop right here, you have this picture of what gluttony is, what Jesus said in Matthew 11, and hear what we see back in, in the Old Testament with this word zalal. Proverbs 28, verse 7, unlocks something for us. And this is where the nerdy part of my brain kind of, kind of activates here as we start thinking about this word zalal. Now, in Proverbs 28, verse 7, if you go to the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, when the Greek translators translated this verse, they used another word to describe gluttony. They didn't use... Phagos, and of course they couldn't use the Hebrew word because they're trying to translate it into Greek, they used a different Greek word. And that Greek word that is used in the New Testament, or sorry, in the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament, was the word asotia. This word we find all over the New Testament, and it is the word that is translated so often as luxury, recklessness, dissipation, wildness, debauchery, and wastefulness. This is where we start to see something interesting about this word gluttony. What is gluttony all about? Well, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we understand that we should not be filled with this sort of debaucherous lifestyle, but we should be filled with the Spirit. Titus chapter 1, verse 6, we understand that debauchery or this, this idea of dissipation is not something that we should ever see in an elder of the church. Hopefully all of us, as we were thinking about our four newly appointed elders recently, were thinking about them as being debaucherous kinds of people. Are they? If they are, if they were, then they should not ever become elders in the Lord's church. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, I think it's a really powerful verse here, 1 Peter chapter 4. This highlights, Peter is doing here, highlights the difference between our old life and our new life. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, Peter says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, there's our word again, there's the companion word again, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatries. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. That word debauchery there is this word, asotia. 
That word debauchery is the word that is, is trying to get us connected to this idea of gluttony. So, what is gluttony? It's eating too much food, in part. But it's also living a life of excess, living a life of luxury, living a life of reckless dissipation, wasting what we have. Gluttony is not just about food. And I think we're, we're going to see that in this lesson. Hopefully we'll see that in this lesson. Just in the way that these words are used, notice here also in this verse, I love this in 1 Peter 4, before, before we move on, notice what he calls the debauchery. It's a flood of debauchery. It's not a little bit, right? That's not the problem. It's too much. And this is where we come into thinking about extremes. This is where I think we all need to get serious with ourselves about extremes. Too much is what we're going to call this lesson, and I want us to avoid the trap of excessive living. Avoid the trap of living too recklessly, too wastefully. Wasting what we have going too far in what we do. And this is a lesson that is going to be really challenging for people who want a black and white definition for everything. It's going to be a really challenging lesson. If you expect me to say, like, here is the line, here is how much of your plate can be filled up before we call it gluttony, right? Because the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't explain to us in that level of detail, nor does the Bible tell us exactly how high up a skirt should be before it's considered immodest, or exactly how tight someone's pants should be before it's considered immodest. No, the, the Bible's giving us guidelines, of course, and we need to make our own judgment. But what is too much? Let's talk about too much and the problem with too much here for just a little bit. And maybe I haven't sold you all on this idea of too much, so let's continue because I think there's some more important things we can talk about. But here's, before we get into defining some things and describing uh, what, why this is such a problem, why gluttony and excess and all of these things are such a problem for the Christian, let's first talk about what we're not talking about, just to get it off the table, so to speak. When we're talking about gluttony and excess, we are not talking about sharing meals together. That might be one of the first things that pops up, right? You, you, you start thinking, oh, well, Brian is saying that we should never enjoy our meals together, that we should never have a feast together, we should never, you know, Thanksgiving, we'll throw that out the window. That, you know, if we think about that as the subject of what we're discussing here, you've missed the point. Do you remember what Jesus described himself as in Matthew 11? How did Jesus, like if, Jesus, please sum up your entire ministry in one sentence. Oh, and Jesus does it. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. What could Je Jesus could have said anything to describe his ministry, right? But what, how, how did he describe his ministry? The Son of Man came eating and drinking. That's how he described himself. Jesus ate and drank with a lot of people. In the Bible, we read tons of accounts where Jesus is at the table with other people, enjoying a meal. And the Pharisees hated that because most of the people who he was eating with were sinners. 
by the way, everybody's a sinner. So, I mean, anyone who he was really eating with was a sinner, but, you know, that's a side point. But we're not talking about sharing meals together because Jesus was not guilty of gluttony. Let's just be very clear. Jesus was not actually a glutton, nor was he a drunkard, yet he ate and drank with people. And so there's a balance here, right? Like all throughout this lesson, I hope we see that there is a balance. Like, and we as people, sometimes we see the mud puddle and we just gun it and we, we cover the truck in mud and we do too much where we need to kind of balance ourselves and and make sure that we're not going too far, or not going far enough is also a problem too. Okay, so we're not talking about sharing meals together. We are also not talking about any of the seven deadly sins. I know, when we start talking about gluttony, because we don't talk about it very often, maybe, I, I, I don't think it's been a while since we've talked about gluttony, but because we don't talk about it very often, sometimes the first thing that pops into our mind is man's made-up ideas about things in the Bible. You all know that, that, that there are no seven deadly sins in the Bible, right? Although if you Google around, you're going to see gluttony as one of the seven deadly sins, which some people say are unforgivable sins by God, but that's not what we're talking about. That's not even a thing. So just throw that out of your mind for, for just a little bit, and please breathe a sigh of relief. I am not encouraging you to eat quinoa or chia seeds or like to change your choices for lunch today. This is one of these things like when you preach a lesson about prayer, the guy who has the closing prayer, he's in a, he's in a pickle, right? He's got to do it the right way because we just preached about it. I'm not trying to encourage you all to like go out today and eat a salad. Like that's not what this lesson is about. If you want to eat a salad, that's great. If, you, if it's impossible for you to eat a salad, well, maybe there is something for you to take from this lesson, but nothing that we're going to talk about is going to be changed in one meal. Nothing that we're going to be talking about is just a one-time occurrence. This is a, a lifestyle. What we're going to be talking about is, pra is practicing the kind of, of just recklessness with what we eat, the, the wastefulness with what we eat. And my guess is, there's probably not a lot of people who actually struggle with this here this morning. If you are, well, then this lesson is for you. But I think, you know, by the end of this, I think we're going to see that this doesn't just apply to food. Because we are a culture in America of too much. Would you agree with that? I think we are. And maybe it isn't food. It probably is. But it's probably a lot of other things, too. So Let's move on here. I think we would do well to go back to the wise writer, not Solomon, but the words of Agur. Agur in Proverbs 30. You know that Proverbs 30 is kind of a special proverb. It's not actually from the, the wise writer Solomon, but it is, in fact, from this man, Jacob. In verse 1, the words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle is what it calls him. And in verse 7, we see this really powerful request that he has where he says, two things I ask of you, him speaking to God, deny me not before I die, remove far from me falsehood and lying, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. I love this verse because he is trying to find the balance. He's trying not to go too far this way toward riches or too far this way toward poverty, 
but he is hoping that his character of truthfulness and honesty and humility, really, his character can be supported by his circumstances in life. And he knows that his character is going to be under attack if he goes too far toward riches or if he goes too far towards poverty. Now, there's a time for us to spend talking about poverty because that's a factor here too. And I don't want to diminish, I don't want to negate the fact that there are people who struggle in life, who are underemployed, who do not have the, the means by which to take care of themselves. If you've been there, if you know someone who's been there, please understand I'm not throwing that idea out the window here. My guess is, like we just talked about, living in America, living in a land of plenty, living in a land of abundance, maybe we struggle with the other part of it here, the riches part of it. Maybe like Agur, we need to pray to God that he would give us neither riches nor poverty, that he would feed us with the food that is needful for us, keep us from being full. And I think this, this prayer is really powerful for us moving forward. So we're going to kind of reference this as maybe a rubric moving into the rest of the points that we're going to make here. So here's the big idea, just very quickly. Gluttony, excess, and luxurious living pose a massive threat to our spiritual well-being. On the same page, really simple idea. We're not blowing anyone's minds here, although I don't think we talk about this as often as maybe we could. And we're not just talking about gluttony. We are, in fact, talking about too much. When we live with too much and we have too many riches and we find ourselves being full all the time, it's a dangerous situation, as Agur here in this proverb realized. I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be that, that far on that end of the spectrum. And so, what's wrong with too much? You might be the kind of person who maybe hasn't had very much. Maybe at some point in your life, you've been the college kid with the box of ramen, and, and you're just struggling to get by. And all of a sudden, after you've gotten a job, after you're well taken care of, and God is blessing you in your life, maybe just suddenly, like the frog in the pot of water, you wind up, you wind up realizing that you have a lot. And you never really realize that there was a big transition there because it happens slowly, and all of a sudden, you just have too much. How did that happen? And is that a problem? Because for a lot of people, that's the ideal, right? A lot of people, they look at like Scrooge McDuck swimming in the, in the safe full of money, and all they want is that. So let's be careful. What is wrong with too much? Well, number one, I think it leads us to forget. And that, by the way, is what Agur is saying here. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? That is a real problem. When we go too far and involve ourselves in too much, it helps us or it causes us to forget about God. And that was, by the way, God's warning to Moses. There's going to be a lot of verses here, by the way. Just write them down or look online. You can find them there. I'm not going to reference all of them. But God's warning to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 19 he says, for when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, this is the land of Canaan, he's forward-looking to the time of Joshua with Moses. He says, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten, and they are full and grown fat. You can just like 
Picture that, right? They're like fattened calves out there, just, you know, all ready for slaughter, really, is what, what the picture is. They will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And don't you see that happening? Isn't that exactly what occurs? God is spot on when he says, at some point, they're going to get into the land of Canaan. They're going to get so comfortable. And yes, they're going to get so fat. Now, hold on. God brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey. Doesn't he want them to enjoy it? Doesn't he want, to, doesn't he want them out there just living it up and, and taking all they can? No, that's the going too far part. He wants them to, to be taken care of. But, I mean, don't we see that if they go too far in that, they're going to forget about God? And we see that too in Luke chapter 12, as, you know, the, the man is building his barns and he's, he's storing up all of his things and he's just so proud of his work and his accomplishments that he forgets about God in all the plans that he makes. That's a real challenge. One of the great problems in America today, I, I firmly believe, that we're too comfortable, we're too rich, and it leads us to forget who gave us that in the first place. So moving on. I think it also fosters a worldly focus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, as we think about this worldly focus, I love this verse. This is such a good verse for, for a conversation about gluttony and excess, where Paul says their end is destruction, their God is their belly, oh. and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. When we're so focused on food and our next meal and acquiring everything, or not even just food, you know, getting more and having more and hoarding everything we have, aren't we just focused on earthly things? And their end is destruction. Of course, their appetites, as we read in Romans 16, their appetites are driving them. Really, our appetites, our belly is driving us when we struggle with too much. And as you look at the, the three primary sins, I suppose, the three categories of sins that we read about in 1 John chapter 2, the lust of the flesh has, has such a, an appeal for us. The flesh is calling out. Maybe your stomach right now is calling out, saying, lunchtime. And doesn't food just intertwine itself into everything we do, our gatherings together together? And so you can see why it is a challenge for us to not put food on too high a pedestal or really anything, as we're going to talk about a little bit. It just changes our focus to being worldly rather, rather than focusing on spiritual things. All those things are going to be destroyed someday. It also leaves us feeling empty. And isn't that sort of like an oxymoronical statement to make, right? Because here I am, I'm full. <laughs> I'm, but you've been there. You go have a big Chinese food meal, and like an hour later, you're ready for more. You're hungry again. No matter how much food you eat, you're going to need more soon. By the way, God designed us that way, I think for a reason. But it does leave us feeling empty, like the prodigal. Uh, by the way, one of those words there in, the, in that section we covered a little while ago was was often referred to as prodigal, was wayward living, wastefulness. 
And don't we see that with the prodigal son in Luke 15? As he's out there just living opulently, spending everything he has, and by the time he spends it all, then what is he doing? Now he's hungry. Now he's in need. Because that didn't last as long as he thought it would. And finally, I think one of the big problems with gluttony and excess and having too much is that it wastes what others could use. And that's a, that's a big one. It wastes what others could use. Because if you go, you know, really Luke chapter 3, if you go to the words of John the Baptist there in Luke chapter 3, and John says to them, whoever has two tunics, share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. I know a lot of times we think about the tunics part, right? Oh, I got some coats. I'll give them a coat. I don't have that many coats. I live in Phoenix. But the coats I do have, you know, we think about the coats part of it. But don't forget that he also talks about food there. And if we are the kinds of people like we read about in that story in Luke 16, verse 19, about the rich man and Lazarus, do you remember Do you remember what specific sin the rich man spent eternity in Hades for? It doesn't say. You notice that, right? When you go and you read about the rich man and how he's he's eating and he's living sumptuously and and you see Lazarus at his table just wanting the crumbs that are dropping off his table and, and the rich man winds up in Hades in torment, why did he end up there? Well, it doesn't say. And so you're left to just sort of infer that, well, he must have ended up there because of something he neglected to do. And I think, and this is just my opinion, but I think what Jesus is trying to get us to say is that the rich man in that story didn't reach down to help Lazarus. He didn't offer him what he had. And when we're just taking it all in and we look like cookie monster eating all the cookies... And we're not willing to share the cookie with someone. That's a terrible example. But if we're not willing to share what we have with someone else, well, we're missing the boat. We're missing an opportunity because God has blessed us and we should be willing, like John talks about in Luke 3, we should be willing to pay it forward to someone else. So you can see as we start reading about gluttony, There's not really a passage in the Bible that I can reference that says, thou shalt not eat too much, right? Like, that's not a place we're going to go to. But you don't see very many positive things being said about this sin, about excessive living in general, whether it's debauchery, dissipation, drunkenness, anything we find ourselves doing that's too much, never referred to as a good thing. So... That's what's wrong, I think. But how can we avoid it? So really, if we just sort of ended there, it'd be like, all right, now go to lunch and figure it out. (laughs) Let's think together about how we can avoid too much. And I think the answers to this are going to be pretty obvious based on what we've already talked about. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, I think is really clear about how we deal with this situation. He's talking there about drunkenness. But as we've already seen, uh, drunkenness and gluttony are very closely tied together, so I think this makes sense for us. We need to pray that God will fill us with his spirit. Rather than filling ourselves with food and with drink, rather than hoarding all of life's possessions, rather than being materially minded and worldly focused, we need to pray that God will fill us 
with his spirit, as Paul says. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. It's the same word that we've been talking about. That's debauchery. But be filled with the spirit. Just a choice we can make. We get to choose what we'll fill ourselves with. And notice, this isn't necessarily let God fill you with the Spirit. No, he says, be filled with the Spirit, meaning like you have a a role in this. You get to choose what is... Now, I'm not saying... And again, this is is where the point of the lesson is not to address what we do here in about an hour or so. I'm not saying that, well, rather than eating today, you read your Bible. It's not necessarily what I'm saying. However... Fasting was an appropriate and useful tool for many people in the Bible. And I will leave that right there for you to just think about. Because we'll move on to some more points that might actually support that in just a second. But be filled with the Spirit rather than earthly, physical happiness and pleasure. Discipline yourself. Wouldn't it be nice if somebody disciplined you for you? No, 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 never mind. Hold on. <laughs> I don't like that idea. No, you got to discipline yourself, right? I mean, this is a challenge that I'm already learning with a 12-year-old living in my house. Like, at some point, I have to be the one who stops doing all the discipline and transfer that over to her, where she then takes over the responsibility of disciplining herself so that I don't always have to be micromanaging her. It's a hard one. Because disciplining yourself is a really big focus of Paul's uh, encouragement to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. And just stop right there, because that's a very powerful verse when we're talking about food, right? When we're talking about gluttony. There's nothing wrong with a, a rock springs pie. There is nothing wrong with a rock springs pie. But maybe, maybe that Rock Springs pie isn't helpful for me. It might be okay, but maybe it's not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now, he's talking about addiction there. And don't you see addiction not just about food, but about in anything? I'm not going to be dominated by anything, he says. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for the food, and God will destroy both one and the other. My body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, he's talking there. He's getting ready to start a conversation about sexual immorality and staying away from that. That's really the focus of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But where does he start the conversation? Not about the sexual relationship, but he starts it with talking about what's going on here. He starts talking about food. And he says something we can all relate to. That cheeseburger does not control me, right? He's saying that that, that plate of food is not going to dominate me. I am in control. And that is what we need to remind ourselves. That is what we need to practice We need to get very good at controlling our impulses. As he would go on later to say in chapter 9, he wants to buffet his body. He wants to discipline himself so that after he's preached to everyone else, he would not be disqualified by his own way of living. And don't we get that? Because self-control is very challenging, especially when you're trying to encourage other people 
to control themselves. Making sure you remind yourself to discipline yourself is important as a way of, of dealing with too much. Third thing, we need to be content with enough. And that is the words of Agur there in Proverbs 30. Isn't that exactly what he's saying? I don't want to go all the way over here, and I don't want to go all the way over there. I want to be right down the middle, and I want to be happy with what I have. I want to be happy with what I have. And when you go and read Exodus chapter 16, and you read about the institution of the manna that came from heaven, the bread from heaven that God provided his people, do you remember the problem that God said not to do, but the people did anyway? Don't hoard it. Right? You go out, you collect as much as you can eat, and walk away. <laughs> really. Because what happened was, after telling them that, they went and they tried to hoard it all, and what happened to all of the, the manna they had hoarded? It spoiled overnight. What was the word you said about spoiled milk? That's exactly what this is. It just went bad. We have this situation in our lives where when we hoard things, really it's spoiling and we don't even know it. We don't even understand what's going on when, when we try to collect and we try to do too much. It's actually going to turn out even worse than we thought. So Matthew chapter 6, in the great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, in his example prayer, says to the Lord God, give us this day our daily bread. In light of this conversation, does that mean something different to you now? In light of a discussion about food and about gluttony and about excess and too much and luxurious living, when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, doesn't that mean something different to you? It means God's going to take care of you every day. Don't worry about it. No, seriously, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of you. And whatever he provides you will be enough. That's sobering. That's clarifying for the way we live our lives, especially when we have access to so much. Go to Costco and just look around. Like you have access to so much, but you don't always need it. I don't always need it. Find satisfaction in the Lord. That's the last point here. Find satisfaction in the Lord there's a song we sing, Micah's been leading it, The Rock of My Heart. I love this song. And Mike led a song this morning that I hadn't sung in a while that uses similar language. Here are the words of this song. But you are my portion forever. You're my rock. When we're talking about God, when we're thinking about God, he is our portion forever. And so we read Psalm 73, which is where that, that song comes from. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can we honestly say those words? I don't want anything else on earth than God. I know a lot of us really want barbecue right now or whatever it is you're thinking about. 
But do you want anything more than God? Is he going to satisfy you? Is he your portion? Is he enough for you? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We've been talking about gluttony, and I'm tearing up, because this is a powerful realization that God is enough. God is the solution to too much. What is your too much? We've been talking about food. We've been talking about excessive living. But what is your too much? Is your phone too much? Is Facebook too much? Is your job too much? Is your hobby too much? I don't know what it is. But maybe you connect with this lesson in a way that doesn't really have to do with food. Maybe you connect with this lesson in a way that maybe you realize that too much. Sin is fun. (laughs) Driving through the mud puddle was fun. Eating a lot is fun. (laughs) It feels good. And the devil has us right in his pocket. He knows exactly what to tempt us with. He knows exactly how to entice us. So don't pretend like you've got one up on him because you need to be very careful. Control yourself and do all the things that we've talked about this morning. And I hope maybe this revelation, this this realization for you, if you've had one, will be helpful this week as you make good choices for the Lord, as you find satisfaction in him, And as you fill yourself with his spirit, rather than with all the pleasures of earth. Thank you for your attention. If there's anyone here this morning who needs to come to the Lord, don't wait. Please come while we stand and sing.